This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. That means we are just days away from another lovely afternoon, evening, whenever they're going to play another day of watching Miami Dolphins football. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show, and we have a battle of the Twitter titans between the Justin Herberts and the Tua Tungavaloas. But before we get into everything about this weekend's upcoming game, I got to welcome in Joshua Houts. Josh, how goes it today, my friend? Happy Friday. Happy Friday, man. Happy Miami Miracle. I'm sure you saw it all over Twitter. Today's the what, fourth anniversary of the, the Miami Miracle. So um, to those that celebrate, uh, happy Miami Miracle Day. But glad to be able to come on here, Jake, and talk about this matchup that I see Twitter polls already saying, is this a must-win game? So um, I don't know if this is a must-win game, but I'm just glad that we get to sit here and talk about Herbert and Tua with you. How are you doing today, man? It's Friday. You're exactly right, man. It is Friday. That's why I'm feeling so good. You get out work a little early today and, and kind of enjoy the weekend. And Josh? Are we are are we stooping too low if we start this podcast with this question with that question? Is this game a must win for the Miami Dolphins? You just said you don't know, but I'm gonna pull an answer out of you of one way or another. Yeah, okay. So I did answer the poll. Yes, I put it was a must win game, but then the more I thought about it, I was thinking, you know, technically I don't know that it is. I mean, I think the Dolphins can still, you know, mathematically make the playoffs if you know they lose this game. I mean, they might even be able to do that if they lose against the Bills, you know, technically speaking, but I don't think there's any way after that performance we saw last week they can lose on the West Coast to Herbert and then follow it up again against uh, the Buffalo Bills. So, yes, I do think this is a must-win game. So you pulled it out of me. I'm going to say yes, but again, technically, I think the Dolphins would still have a chance if they somehow fall to the Chargers on Sunday. What are your thoughts, Jake? There's got to be a better way to word it, but but you're 100% right. This is about as must-win with the parentheses, well, actually, than you're ever going to find because, Josh, I feel the same way. I think there's a, a, a certain tone around this franchise. There's always been a certain tone around this franchise. And, Josh, I love everything you do for this podcast, but I'm going to call you out for a quick second because you, without even knowing that loser mentality, the queasiness, seeped right into our rundown, Josh, when you put the 8-6 and six Miami Dolphins. I see you just switched it, but there was a little while where you were already counting the chickens, and that's kind of the fear you want to ignore, right? If the Dolphins lose on Sunday against the Chargers, you start having that fear seep back in. You start seeing those... uh 
um, black and white videos of Geno Smith trucking Danelle Ellerby to get into the end zone. You see Thad Lewis ripping apart the Dolphins and getting rid of their playoff hopes. So, Josh, this isn't a must win, but for the sake of the mental of Dolphin fans, for the sake of the mental of Tua, Mike McDaniel, everyone involved, Josh, I think this is about as close of a must win as you're going to find because to two straight losses, uh, both I mean, each of the last two weeks, Josh, I mean, I think a lot of people around the league are saying like, hey, the Dolphins are involved with one of the best matchups of the week. If the Dolphins drop two of those and then have to go face a Buffalo Bills team that uh, I'm pretty sure their tablets are still recovering from that game in Miami, that is going to be an incredibly hard challenge. And I don't think that's a situation any of us want to be in. No, and I was definitely not trying to foreshadow anything there. That was absolutely <laughs> a mistake. And as soon as you started talking, I got rid of that. So you damn, you definitely called. Oh, it's at the top too. It's literally the title of this Google Doc. So yeah, that was a mistake. I don't hope that by any means that's what happens. But again, uh, I think the Dolphins have won, what, five out of six now in prime time over the last few times they've been on TV. But we need to see that big time matchup. We need to see Tua Tungvaloa go out there and take care of business, you know, against the Chargers. Because, again, everyone's going to view this as Justin Herbert versus Tua Tungvaloa. But it is the matchup between the Dolphins and the Chargers. The Dolphins are actually three-point favorites on the road. The over and under is at 52.5, according to Pro Football Focus. The Miami Dolphins lead the all-time series, Jake, 19-16. to The Dolphins have won three of the last five, and the last one being that win in 2020 where the Dolphins defeated them 29-21. That was two versus Herbert round one, Jake. Um, you know, both quarterbacks, they were rookies, had a little bit of rust here and there. I have written down that Jakeem Grant and Durham Smythe caught touchdown passes. But to me, the thing that stuck out most was how well that Dolphins defense rattled Justin Herbert. He forced, I believe, was a pick six to Xavier Howard. He was sacked twice and he even cut his hair after that game. So uh, that's the way the first matchup went between these two. Obviously, completely different situation. But heading into this matchup, Jake, how are you feeling with Tua versus Herbert round two? I have to like the Dolphins in this matchup, and I think Tua is a big reason why. I think, uh, you know, one thing Mike McDaniel said earlier this season, Josh, is he wants his team to, you know, face adversity, right? Um, and that that can happen in a lot of different ways. I mean, that Baltimore game, I think, what, losing by 21 in the, in the fourth quarter, the Buffalo game was very gutsy. But I think the adversity they faced last Sunday is, is one that was completely in their own control, right? It was completely up to them. And I very interested to see how someone like Tua will bounce back after a performance where we all agree that there was a lot left out on the field in that game. Um, Josh, I don't know if you're familiar with guillotine leagues, uh, but I decided to join one this year. And basically it's that everyone drafts a, a roster of, um, you know, five, six players. And every week, the person with the lowest score gets chopped right out and their players get put into the, um, uh, you know, waiver wire. Uh, the guillotine league, I got kicked out week one. So obviously I tried to convince the owner of the league to start a new one. So we did that week 10. Um, it's been three weeks, Josh, I'm still alive. And and I got to ask you this, man, uh, Tua is my quarterback somehow, some way. And I just replaced uh, T Higgins, who I am now hearing that is perfectly fine and healthy, just precautionary about his hamstring injury. But what I'm trying to get at, man, is I dropped him for Jalen Waddle. Am I crazy or, or am I kind of... Uh, hoping that this is the week because we've seen Jalen Waddle not necessarily go MIA. We know he's been dealing with injuries, but we have not seen the guy who, Josh, I want to pull up a stat real quick where it seems like every single time that Tua, uh, you know, targets Jalen Waddle, something good is going to happen. He is first among NFL wide receivers in reception percentage for touchdowns or first downs. Josh, 82.5% of his receptions go for either a touchdown or a first down. So I need to kind of, Pull us back in, Josh, and ask you, 
Are we going to see Jalen Waddle return this week? Or is there a little bit of a concern here that he just hasn't been on the same page with Tua lately? Yeah, I think a lot of that is the whole injury. I think he went out again with a hamstring in that last game, came back, fought through that. But again, he's kind of been banged up, I guess, maybe a little bit throughout this season. But um, Jake, I love that you have them two guys as a duo. I think that, you know, after one catch, five, one catch on five targets last week, nine yards in that game where we wanted to see our playmakers rise to the occasion, I think we will see that. But it is a testament to that relationship that Tua and Jalen Waddle have that, you know, uh, they're putting up insane numbers, whether it be touchdowns or third down percentage. Um, so yeah, Jake, I love that. That's actually uh, the tandem that I have in our uh, Got Fish Bowl. I think he had thousands of analysts, fans. I'm still in the playoffs, still holding on hope with uh, Tua at quarterback right. and Justin Herbert at quarterback. And then I have Jalen Waddle um, as the duo with Tua. So I've been stacking those guys. So I love that that's going to be the way that you're going into this, Jake, heading into these last few weeks. To bring it back to Tua versus Justin Herbert, though, Jake, I mean, these two guys have always been connected at the seams. Obviously, Tua Tungvalu was drafted with the fifth pick. In a 2020 draft, Justin Herbert drafted after him. These two guys are going to be tied forever, you know, People are going to come away from this game this Sunday and say, oh, you know, the Dolphins made the right decision or the Chargers. I don't think that it's that definitive and we won't know for, you know, years down the road. But I put it on Twitter and I'm already getting backlash for this because I thought it was the perfect way to put this. But apparently, you know, Dolphin fans are upset. But to me, Jake, it just reminds me of, you know, between these quarterbacks and you could throw Burrow and Hurts into the mix, too. But is there really a wrong answer? It's almost like you're getting that new Pokemon game that comes out every year. Uh, You know, they're two different legendary guys on the cover. You're sitting here trying to decide which one to get based off of that alone whether it's their strengths, you know, their pre-draft uh, evaluation of them. I thought that was the perfect way to put, you know, Tua Tungvalu, Justin Herbert, this quarterback class, but Dolphins Twitter is a little bit up in arms. So uh, tell me if you see that as a pretty good analogy, Jake, and then maybe which Pokemon uh, you might look at these two quarterbacks as. Gosh, I actually really like that. I I don't know what it is, but there is a specific brand of Dolphins Twitter that can't accept compliments to anyone else it goes back to the the you know um i remember watching fairly odd parents and then there was a girl in that would always yell tell me i'm pretty and and that's kind of what it feels like with dolphins twitter talking about Tua sometimes like it has to just be them at all times but josh i love this because you look at how these two guys play it's completely different it's like going from brian flores to mike mcdaniel as a coach they're two completely different methods but both so far have shown signs of ways of being successful right herbert does it with that arm strength where Tua is more about that precision, the accuracy, the consistency, being that blackjack dealer that we've come to uh, love, really, with his ability to give Tyreek his 12 targets, give Jalen Waddle his 11 targets. And most of the season, we've seen him maximize those targets where, uh, Josh, what was the biggest gripe against that? Because to me, man, you, you kind of look at it like that. Let's say you're staring. Let's go back to the OGs. Let's go back to 1998 and you're staring at Pokemon Blue or Pokemon Red. Charizard's a baller. Blastoise is a baller. You can both be ballers by doing different things. Like, I know we want to say it's, you know, F Justin Herbert week and whatever it may be, but when we boil it down and we really want to talk about this game and we really want to talk about the NFL, you're crazy if you don't think you can win with either one of these quarterbacks, despite them doing things in different ways. Yeah, and as you know, man, I'm absolutely a Blastoise guy. I always, I don't know what it was about that big-ass turtle with the cannon on the back, but uh, he was always my guy. So that's kind of the way I view Tua as well. But you're right, man. You look around the league, there are different quarterbacks doing different things and finding different ways to win games. And, you know, in 2022, you really shouldn't have to uh, take gripe for trying to, you know, say Justin Herbert's a good quarterback because anybody that sits there and watches him play football and doesn't think he's a good quarterback is just absolutely crazy. The biggest gripe I guess I had heading into the pre-draft and as you're starting to see this season and, you know, previous seasons is Ken Justin 
Justin Herbert win the big games? I mean, that's kind of the thing that's going around. You know, can he put his team in situations to win? Tua took on a low over his career, 21 and 10 as a starter, when Justin Herbert is only 21 and 23 as a starter. We know quarterback wins doesn't matter. Um, and I'm not even going to bring up their career stats because if you look at Herbert's man, this dude put up uh, 5,000 more yards and 41 more touchdowns in Tua Tungvaloa over his career. But this season, man, Tua Tungvaloa has been on point, 8-2 and two as a starter, completed 68% of his passes for 2,859 yards, 21 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. He's first in the NFL on third down, pass rating of 137.8, and opposed to Justin Herbert, who has thrown for 3,339 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. So I know I'm throwing a lot of stats out there, but this season, I mean, when you compare him apples to apples, I mean, Tua Tungvalu has more touchdowns, he's completing more passes, and again, he's just doing it in different ways, that pinpoint accuracy, the pocket presence, being able to get the football out on time. I mean, um, again, two worldly different guys, but two very similar quarterbacks as well. They're both good quarterbacks, Josh. So I think a big factor here is really going to boil down to the defense. And, and I do have a couple stats here about this Chargers defense. I want to crack over your head real quick that the Chargers are the worst team at allowing rushing yards on first down. So you think, all right, we'll, we'll establish the run early. But Josh, this is a Chargers defense, in fact, that actually allows more passing yards on first down than any other team in the league as well. So to me, man, that that is the first stat I see, and I get really excited because I guess um, my conspiracy theory is that, hey, Mike McDaniel, that first first down, it's so important to pass the ball and get those that big chunk yardage. I see stats like that, man, and I get really excited. And, and just to kind of sprinkle a few more on, the Chargers pass defense versus play action opposing quarterbacks have the third highest chargers pass defense versus deep passes to the middle of the field third highest qbr against plays with motion the chargers defense is along the fourth highest qbr so josh this is instantly setting up to a situation where you're going to be able to take advantage of this chargers defense but i think the big question is how does to a react what is going to be that mentality when he comes out i'm not going to say he's going to come out and be flat or come out and score 40 points but i think there's going to be uh we're going to learn a lot i should say from that first two or three drives about hey this is a chargers defense you can score on they had chances against san francisco what's going to be different this time around yeah, and hopefully, I mean, honestly, hopefully it's that they were lean on that run game. We mentioned it time and time again, eight carries last week uh, versus San Francisco 49ers. This is, like you mentioned, they have success running against this defense on first down, and uh, they're last ranked in the NFL in, you know, rushing yards per game. So uh, there is going to be opportunities there, and after what we saw last week, I mean, you almost have to think if you're Mike McDaniel, you're going to come out there and want to at least try to establish the run and at least try to show some confidence, because you can't, again, go into these games only throwing the ball or running the ball eight times. I guess the question I had you Jake is I know a lot of people last week started Jeff Wilson Jr. I was one of them kind of laid an egg you know he dropped that well I, I mean it's up in the air whether that was a drop that was on him or whether two overthrew it I think it was a little bit of both but do you think maybe he's in the doghouse and we could see this being a Roheem Mostert game you know he's able to get to the outside break off those big plays we know what he can do in the passing game which of these running backs do you think will be that uh, you know, quote unquote bell cow heading into this Sunday's game against, again, a Chargers defense that is very um, toilet paper soft like the Chargers run defense. Josh, that's a really good question because I actually didn't start Jeff Wilson last week. I was, I kind of shook my crystal ball on that one. Um, God, this, this is a really good question because you do wonder if they're going to try to run the ball more or if they're going to say, hey, Tua, go get right. You know, have him throw it 45, 50 times and just have him torch that defense. Um, 
Josh, why why would you think that Jeff Wilson is in the doghouse? Because, yeah, you know, the one carry for three yards looks very, very awkward on the page. I mean, uh, Raheem Mostert ran the ball seven times. The, you, you look at the drop pass from Jeff Wilson, but Josh, would your perspective have changed at all if the Dolphins had a stat box that had Jeff Wilson with one carry for three yards or one carry for three yards and one reception for seven yards? Does that really change your perspective? Do you really feel he's in the doghouse or... or- could it be as simple as, you know, there, there just wasn't a lot of situations from here? Where are you getting that vibe from? Yeah, shame on me because I mentioned the drop pass down the left sideline. I was thinking more of that play that ended up being intercepted where he just kind of stumbled and fell oh, over okay. it. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, some are, yeah, so some are alluding to that. You know, maybe he was just reading that was man. It was actually zone and didn't settle down. You know, that might have been a miscommunication there. I guess I was just going completely Charlie spin zone with, you know, between that and, again, a potential drop on the sideline that could have been a big play. Um, between those two, I guess that's where I was going, uh, you know, completely Charlie spin zone on the doghouse thing. So, um, I I, yeah, so I guess we'll see it. If Raheem Moster comes out of the gun, and you know we see him being that bell cow maybe we can say or say you know house was right but uh i think i was just definitely going complete spin zone with that but whatever it may be you can't only give jeff wilson jr one carry and you can't rely on going giving raheem Mostert seven because um it's just not the way this nfl game operates but again when you have teron armstead out of lineup jake i mean that's again a big question heading into this one of the, the, the things that we always regret that we do these podcasts early on a Friday is we don't know his status. It does sound like he was playing yesterday, but if Teron Armstead can't go, who's next, Jake? Do you think Eric Fisher with such short week notice? I mean, we saw Baker Mayfield could do right. If we could see Baker Mayfield go out there and win a game on Thursday night and come back from behind playing quarterback, um, I see no reason why if the Dolphins absolutely needed Jeff uh, Eric Fisher this weekend, why he couldn't be ready to go. Jeff Fisher? Was yeah. that coming out? <laughs> and Jeff Fisher almost came out, dude. I'm eight and six. I'm talking about Jeff Fisher. I am... Uh, I am Joe Philbin Queasy. That is that's the next level of Joe Philbin Queasy, right? The Jeff Fisher Queasy. You may like it. It's that time of the year, though. Like the Dolphins being like firmly in the hunt. Like Jeff Fisher's the king of mediocrity. So I mean, like, yeah, dude. Like, like you're just being a Dolphins fan. It's okay. I'm not gonna knock you at all for any of this stuff. Um, if we wanted to do like a vibes check, I I think Teron Armstead is playing this weekend, man. I I think we're hearing a lot of good things. I think that if you only knew that he posted was about how much he's working his. T- tail off you mentioned he practiced on Thursday and um Josh Eric Fisher was actually you know discussing a little bit where he expects to play and he mentioned that he hasn't you know played on the right side since 2014 but he's going to do whatever this coaching staff wants from him uh 2014 I believe was the second year the second year in the league after being a first round pick in 2013 and if I actually remember correctly Josh Eric Fisher played right tackle at, at first while Brandon Elbert was the left tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think that's kind of a fun, you know, uh, circle of life type thing after Elbert left the Chiefs to join the Dolphins as well. Um, and you see Fisher following in his footsteps. But he did mention, you know, I'll try playing right tackle. That's something I'm open to doing. Uh, so to me, man, I- I'm getting the feeling that Trent Armstead's going to play. And while we've been on the Brandon Shell hype squad for most of the season when he's playing right tackle, it does seem that Eric Fisher might go over and, and you know, They'll test their luck on that side. I think maybe the fact, you know, we instantly looked at Austin Jackson goes on IR, you signed Eric Fisher, and we instantly thought, hey, is he going to play left tackle? Maybe it was as simple as, hey, we want this guy to come in and play right tackle. He's been getting healthy all, all during the regular season. He didn't want to, you know, come in and be a backup for half the year, find a competitor to play with. Maybe he is going to be the right tackle moving forward. Yeah, and shame on me, man. I always pull up this flip card that the team releases, and he is actually listed behind Brandon Shell on the depth chart. So uh, Eric Fisher's listed at backup right tackle. 
uh, doesn't show him on the left tackle side. Doesn't show him. That's still Greg Little behind Tron Armstead. So um, maybe that is something they saw. They just, you know, whether it's a depth thing where they think, okay, well, if Tron Armstead can't go on for some of these games towards the end of the year, we can just flip Eric Fisher over there. And maybe they also view it as an upgrade over Brandon Shell. Again, I think, you know, we both kind of alluded to him probably being an upgrade over everyone that, you know, the Dolphins have tried to plug and play throughout this season, whether it be Austin Jackson, Little, you know, Shell. So um, I don't know, man. I don't know if we'll see him this weekend, but it's nice to have him there. For a Dolphins offensive line last week, they gave up three sacks, five quarterback hits in week 13 uh, versus San Francisco 49ers. I think if that offensive line can hold up, Jake, it's going to be what those Dolphin receivers can do. And we have, uh, I've written down here, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I'm excited to see what they can do. I have the Raiders defense now. I'm excited to see what they can do against the Chargers defense who allowed Devontae Adams to catch eight balls for 177 yards and two touchdowns a few weeks ago. Asante Samuel Jr., very good young cornerback, but he get, got burned in that game, giving up 100 yards and a touchdown. He's their top corner. So I'm excited to see the way Samuel Jr. and Hill match up. Hill, again, last week caught 9-14 to 14 targets for 146 yards, one touchdown. That was against the number one ranked defense. So, again, I think you mentioned it, Jake. They're going to be able to make some big plays. It's just whether or not, honestly, Tua can go out there, settle down, and be that same Tua that we've seen in previous weeks. But I'm excited to see the way those Dolphin receivers match up against a secondary that, again, outside of Asante Samuel Jr. and Derwin James, you know, they're there are some plays to be had. So Tyreek Hill, Josh missed practice on Thursday with an illness. And um, he was actually the same day, which I think it's important to note here that practice does not take all day. If someone misses practice, it could be, you know, later in the afternoon, he was visiting some sort of like gaming uh, uh, team, something thieves. I keep wanting to say sea of thieves, but I know that that's a, that's a, um, that's a game itself, but Tyreek Hill took this picture wearing their merch and he even looked kind of sick. He looked like he was like just kind of zoned out, like exhausted, beat, like the flushed face. Uh, so I hope he's okay. I hope he's good enough to go on Sunday. But I have to think, you know, if it was as simple as, you know, I go here at 10 a.m. and I'm not feeling too hot, you miss practice at 3 p.m. That's kind of what I'm hoping is this is all about. I, but generally speaking, I don't have much concerns about Hill. It's going to be fun because, you know, Hill went against this uh, defense twice a year for as long as he can remember. Um, but the fact he was able to ball out against San Francisco, um, he's been everything you could ask for, leading the league in receiving yards. I I have not entered the week once having any concerns about Tyreek Hill having an impact on this offense, but man, I, I think it goes back to wondering, Hey, Jalen Waddle caught one of five targets last week for nine yards. He's battling an injury injury. We see him limping in and out of the lineup. The positive of that, you see, if you go back and watch that Tyreek Hill touchdown from last week, Jalen Waddle is hauling ass down the field to go catch up to him and celebrate. Um, you have listed here, Josh, three players to watch on defense. I'd love to hear you talk about them, but let's start with Derwin James. Uh, outstanding safety. Some would argue that one of the most flexitile, flexitile, flexible, versatile uh, guys in the league, but he is another guy who's missed practice in two straight days. So you wonder what's happening there. And if he's not there, I mean, the little bit of bite this defense has just that those teeth get a little more dull. They absolutely do, and I know we all remember Derwin James from the Minka Fitzpatrick draft. I mean, I think Dolphin fans to this day still, you know, some still wish they had Derwin James because he's, you know, a very similar player. You know, he can come down, play in the slot, and can be that presence roaming around in the sa as a safety. So, I mean, I would definitely feel much better about that Chargers defense if for some reason he couldn't play, but, uh, you know, we want them at their best, right? They're already without Joey Bosa. I started to write down him as a player to watch, and I was like, oh, shit, like, that's why I see uh, Kyle Van Noy's name in that starting lineup. So, um, is this going to be 
be a Kyle Van Noy revenge, revenge game. I was going to write that down, though, Jake. So um, that's a guy that we have to watch on that offense, how that offensive line can handle him. And then again, Khalil Mack, that's a guy who, you know, is one of the best pass rushers in all of football. I mean, we've all seen what Khalil Mack can do the way he can take over a game. I want to see how that matchup goes, right? I guess Khalil Mack will be lined up on the right side. So then, you know, we might be able to see Eric Fisher against him. So I, I don't know. And then the other guy I have written down here was middle linebacker, Kenneth Murray. Um, he's not very well rated right now in pro football focus, but he was one of those linebackers that I was really excited about in the pre-draft process. And again, after what we saw last week, how important, you know, that middle that defense is and how important that is for this offense to click. I mean, if you have a guy like Kenneth Murray, you know, roaming around kind of like we saw last week, um, it could cause problems. So those were the guys I was, you know, a little bit concerned about, but again, on paper, at least this Miami Dolphins offense, if as long as that offensive line can sustain, you know, protect to a, that run game can get going. I think this is a matchup the Dolphins can uh, take advantage of. This is the first time where, you know, I just am holding back so many like, jerky things I want to say until after the game but man if the Dolphins win this game you know Justin Turbert Justin Herbert versus Tua Justin Turbert um, that's all you do it's Friday it's Friday that's it that's why we're here uh whether it's Kyle Van Noy I you know remember hearing him run his mouth after leaving Miami and even though you know I was one of his biggest fans while I was here there are going to be some things I'm going to want to tweet out after this game so hopefully the Dolphins win because uh, uh Twitter is going to be brutal if it's not but Josh I think we've touched about on just about everything. I'm very excited to see how this Mike McDaniel offense goes against Brandon Staley. And, you know, you kind of put it into the perspective of Mike McDaniel is what the Chargers wanted Brandon Staley to be, right? That forward thinking, that new age coach who is a step ahead of all the old time, you know, uh, old fashioned coaches, but that just hasn't been the case. So I'm very excited to see this matchup. And, you know, if they can put that spotlight on Brandon Staley, man, I can't wait to see that too. But Josh, Unless you have something else to say, I think we should take a break. And on the other side, let's let's hype up this defense a little bit. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Josh, and while the Chargers are dealing with some injuries on the defensive side of the football, they're starting to feel or get healthy on the offensive side there without their left tackle, Rashawn Slater. But it seems like Mike Williams, who has been battling ankle injuries for what it seems like his entire life, um, he's on track to play on Sunday. Keenan Allen's back in the offense. He had a solid game last week. So while, you know, this Chargers defense has looked kind of ugly at, at points throughout the year, obviously Austin Eckler is one of the more dynamic running backs. You can get him involved in so many different ways. Uh, this offense does have a little bite that we can't ignore, and they do. People are going to hate me to say it. They have a quarterback then that can make that bite seem pretty sharp. Yeah, they got a quarterback that can make all the throws. I mean, we could sit here and gush over Justin Herbert. We'd probably just lose listeners if we did that. But you're right, man. They're get, they're getting healthy, and that is a team that, again, heading into this year, I mean, everyone thought the world of the Chargers, right? I mean, you mentioned Brand Staley, but even I thought last year, you know, people were throwing sound bites out there trying to make him to be this, you know, genius offensive coach. And now you're trying to hear that, you know, they're holding uh, Herbert back. So they are getting healthy. You know, they do have Keenan Allen, who's one of the better receivers in football. Mike Williams, I think he's still banged up a little bit, whether or not he goes, um, you 
you know, that could change some things. Absolutely. With that Dolphins secondary also being a little bit banged up, but Gerald Everett, that's a guy who, uh, you know, he's a pretty solid tight end and the way the Dolphins have handled tight ends over the last few weeks has been well, but that's a matchup I'm intrigued to see is just, you know, can Eric Rowe continue to shut down some of these top tight ends? Can he be a playmaker, make those plays when called upon? So um, I'm definitely a little bit concerned about Mike Williams, Keenan Allen and uh, Gerald Everett in the passing game. I also mentioned uh, Joshua Palmer earlier in the podcast. I mean, that's another guy that the Dolphins could have their hands full with. So um, again, it all goes back to that Dolphins ability to attack Justin Herbert, right, Jake? I have written down here, they have recorded a sack in 10 consecutive games this season, multiple sacks in four straight weeks. They had four sacks versus San Francisco last week, five versus Houston the week before, three versus Cleveland, and two versus Chicago, nine total sacks over the last two games, and they had 10 quarterback hits last week against San Francisco 49ers. So a lot of numbers I just threw out there, but if Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, those guys up front can get that pressure on Justin Herbert, who I think was hit 14 times against the Raiders in week 13. I think the Dolphins have a chance to completely flip this game and maybe we'll see Justin Herbert shaving his head uh, when this one's all said and done like the last one. I think this is my favorite unit to follow as we get close to that, you know, December, January football. Is this Miami Dolphins front four, Josh? I mean, Christian Wilkins is coming off arguably the best game of his career, 12 total tackles. I mean, he is absolute monster when it comes to greeting guys behind the line of scrimmage. Um, I mean, I have to assume, Josh, there's going to be at least once, and I want you to tag me in it, where, uh, you know, Austin Eckler gets a handoff and he's just hugged by Christian Wilkins in the backfield. We can assume that's probably going to happen at least once, but... Can this be sustained, right? The Dolphins currently are 10th in DVOA, the football outsiders uh, ranking system. Um, you mentioned it, man. The double or the multi-sack games, that is really going to be the key. Can Jalen Phillips continue to be that guy who's just grown and grown and grown until he's so big that his number's in that ring of honor? Can we see Bradley Chubb really be that difference maker? Because Josh, he, he's been good. I know he had the, the strip sack a couple of weeks ago when he's been get, pressuring the quarterback, but... When you look at the contract we gave him, I don't think we've had that full Bradley Chubb, you know, staple game just yet where he just completely wrecks havoc from from start to finish. Yeah, I think you're right. And maybe that's what we should be getting uh, excited for. Maybe this will be that Bradley Chubb where he just hops in his spaceship and, you know, heads to the moon. But I'm glad you brought up Austin Eckler, Jake, because, again, that's where, you know, that's one of those playmakers on the Chargers side of the football. I mean, let's be honest, anybody that plays fantasy football knows that's one of the better backs in all of football, especially when it comes to what he can do in the passing game. And last week, um, I think I just cliche put down 140 total yards I think it might have even been a little more than that but Christian McCaffrey a similar style back you know he can run between the tackles he has that speed and he can be a pass catcher that's kind of what we see out of Austin Eckler who again last week was held intact 10 carries 35 yards against a uh, Las Vegas Raiders defense who again I mean we, we see they're not uh, they're not I don't want to say the Dolphins they are on a different lost to Baker yeah. Mayfield. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say the Dolphins are on a different tier, but even though the Dolphins have struggled and haven't been that same team that we expected, I think we can say that they're a much better defense than the Raiders. So um, attack the heck out of Herbert, stop Austin Eckler from leaking out of the backfield, and again, clamp down those receivers. Excited to see what Xavier Howard can do versus Keenan Allen. Allen had six catches for uh, 88 yards and a touchdown against the Raiders. Since week 10, I thought this was inter interesting. Howard has held quarterbacks to a 65% completion rating when three Going his way, his first interception came last week, Jake. So, um, again, a battle of the AFC. You know, they can be 6-6 six and six of Chargers until they're blue in the face, but I think that's a much better team. And if the Dolphins want to prove that they belong in the playoffs, now's their chance. This is so weird, Josh. I find myself being, like, uh, just, just instantly – staring at the shiny objects because right right then and there I was saying how this front four is going to be so great to watch but Josh this is the matchup where you this is a not an offense that is 
ultimately, you know, dominant and going to blow down the doors. But, you know, you look at Xavier Howard versus Keenan Allen. That's a tough matchup. Keenan Allen's getting healthy. Is Xavier Howard... Is Xavier Howard finding his rhythm or is he just kind of gotten to his spots a couple times over the last weeks? I don't think we've really seen that all pro cornerback uh, that much this season. And, you know, some guys, it just takes them a little while to get going. We know I've been dealing with some injuries. And then, you know, you look at Mike Williams on the other side. What can Darth Cater do against him? You know, when you look at Austin Eckler, who's going to be that linebacker group? Is it going to be Jerome Baker falling around? Are we going to see more Duke Riley? I mean, I think that linebacker core has left a lot to be desired. So, you know, you look at Gerald Everett as well. Instantly, do you think, all right, that's Eric Rowe. That's the safety territory. Uh, there's a lot of different chess pieces here, man. And, you know, if the roles were flipped, I knew that, know that this Chargers offense would do everything it can to force mismatches, you know, get different guys in the backfield, line up linebackers against receivers. Uh, but I don't think the Chargers are really that type of team. So I think we're going to learn a lot about how the Miami Dolphins line up this week who they think can have their big strengths because the Chargers have a lot of guys who do things differently, right? Austin Eckler is a get out in space guy. He's that quick twitch. Keenan Allen is this very physical slack corner who can kind of run away from guys. I kind of see that as a fun matchup with Xavier Howard, but then Mike Williams, a big physical cornerback who's going to jump above anyone to get a ball. How do the Dolphins match up with that? Is it the safety help? Is it Javon Holland running across the middle and snagging a ball before it gets to Mike Williams? But then you had other guys who are kind of dynamic. Josh Palmer, that speedy takeoff of the top guy. Uh, can the Dolphins really survive without keeping someone back at all times? And then, Josh, someone else I want to mention just because he helped me a little bit in fantasy. DeAndre Carter is another guy, bigger, physical, kind of like Mike Williams in the sense of he's going to go down the field and pinpoint the ball. Obviously, the body types aren't exactly the same but I think that the tools the Chargers have on offense are so distinct and they're so I don't want to say um interchangeable but they have guys who are very good at what they do and then they all have their own weaknesses so to me man I think we're going to learn so much about Josh Boyer this week so much about this Dolphins defense especially after last week you know you have Debo Samuel walking his walk talking his talk we have people saying the Dolphins were lit up by Brock Purdy but you look at the stats man I don't think they were too out of this world I think the Kyle Shanahan play uh game plan was great to have make sure Debo Samuel when he catches the ball, he has enough yards to get the first down, remove the sticks, whatever it may be. I don't see that with the Chargers. I think the Dolphins' defense is going to be able to say a lot more in this game. Yeah, and they need to, right? You need them to step up in this moment. All season long, you know, it's been the bend-don't break. You know, at times they were lifting the team up when the offense wasn't firing all cylinders, vice versa. But this is that game where we need to see it all come together. We need to see, um, you know, they have, if, if you can hit uh, Herbert 14 times and I still, uh, you know, I mean, I you got to find a way to rattle him, right? You cannot let him just stand back there and find these weapons, give these guys time all day to get open. So um, I, I don't know, Jake, the more we talk about, the more I'm starting to realize this is uh, the second week in a row, these players are going to be in that playoff type atmosphere and the entire world's going to be watching. And as you know, at the beginning, we sat here and said it was a must win game, technically not, maybe not, but um, it's definitely starting to get that big game feeling. And this is one of those matchups that, you know, this is only round two between two and Herbert, but this is a matchup that I think we can all sit here and get excited for, for many years to come, I guess with this clock running down, Jake, we better sit here and make our predictions for Sunday's game. Um, You know, we are homers 100% through and through till the day we die, you know, Team Miami Dolphins, Team Tua Tagovailoa. So I'm going to go with the win here, Jake. Obviously, I think the Dolphins come out. They fire on all cylinders. I'll say 27-17. I hope I didn't steal uh, your prediction, but we'll see the run game get going. I'm thinking, you know, we see one of those backs exceed 100 yards. See the Dolphins defense rattle. 
uh, Justin Herbert. We're going to see another multi-sack day. I mean, I think we'll see five or six sacks out of there. I think I said there was two, three, four, and five over the last four weeks. Let's go with it, man. A six-sack performance. Everyone's firing all cylinders. Justin Herbert's cutting his hair at the end of this, and we're all looking ahead, you know, nine and four. I think that would be the right record, right, Jake? Then we'd all be looking ahead to the Buffalo Bills on Saturday night, uh, primetime. That's how I'm feeling, 27-17. What about you? First and foremost, um, whether it's for this podcast or the next one, Josh, uh, you know, we have seen GIFs, uh, pictures of Jalen Phillips and, and Bradley Chubb dancing together. Would it be possible for the picture, whether it's this pod or the next one, to be them just maybe in some uh, barber equipment, maybe have a pair of scissors in their hands? Is that something we can do? Because I, I kind of I like the idea of Justin Herbert cutting his hair after this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I just picture them at the end of this game, him just on the ground, you know, weeping, and they're, they're just coming up and s- snipping his hair. Does he still even have the long? I think he has long hair, right? I can't, I can't remember. Or you don't even have to do a lot of photoshopping. What, what's the thing every barber shop has outside? It's like that, that long pole that kind of looks like a candy cane. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep, yeah, that little spinny. Uh, yeah, which it I should have a name. There's that. probably a technical name, right? This is going <laughs> to be another swirl? thing like milk toast. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is another thing like milk toast, where everyone's gonna be like, well obviously it's for this this and this and we're gonna look like complete idiots but hey that, that's why we do this podcast uh josh i kind of like the score of last game what was it was it 29 21 i see a scenario where the dolphins can kind of pull out but the charters offense is explosive you know brandon staley he's someone who's going to play to win no matter how ugly that can make the loss look kind of like miami did last week you know going for it on fourth and two not being too conservative not trying to hold out for that last drive and all of a sudden you see san fran go up 33 17 so josh i kind kind of like 29 21 but i don't think it's going to be a complete mirror so so let's say 30 to 21 the dolphins kind of keep their arm out most of the game chargers score maybe uh 10 points 14 points in fourth quarter but hopefully the game's put away by then where the dolphins are already feeling good going ahead and and preparing for buffalo yeah and that's what we really want i looked it up jake and barber's pool that's the actual name of it it's called a barber's pool so i don't know if you want to go around saying anything about some barber's pool but <laughs> uh, that's the official name i get what a lame name what an absolutely lame name but at least we learned something new right today joshua but with that i hear the music we're being played off thank you everyone so so much for joining us this week we're very excited for this game against the chargers and i hope we were able to uh build up your excitement a little bit too we'll be back on monday with a recap of the show but joshua Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me on this Friday to talk to the Dolphins. And uh, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Like I said, we'll be back Monday. But until then, fins up. Fins up. Justin Herbert. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control.